listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, as I've said many, 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 many times before, sports were the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. And that's why this time of year is so much fun. And in our complex world, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. Our job tonight and every night is to make sure you don't confuse the two. And on that note, I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight I open by giving a quick rundown of the remaining Week 14 games and why this weekend on paper is one of the most challenging as many of these are de facto playoff games. In fact, there are six games in which both teams are 500 or above. And believe it or not, 25 teams in the NFL are still technically, mathematically alive to potentially make the playoffs. How's that for a word salad? In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by 10-year Major League Baseball veteran, 30-year broadcaster Larry Sorensen, and we'll talk about the Major League Baseball lockout. This is real. It's worse than I thought it was. We'll bring you up to date. I've been saying this since May of 2020. No one believed me. It's going to get ugly, folks. Not check that. It's already ugly. We'll also get his thoughts on some college football news. Larry was on the broadcast, Wake Forest and Pitt last week. Kenny Pickett and the fake slide. And wouldn't you know it, there's already been a rule change. After Brian Finley's update, we'll continue with Larry and an update on Pitch Logic and the product they offer, and it adds a new dimension to baseball analytics. If you're a fan of analytics, you're going to want to hear this. And I'll close down the show with some interesting 2021 NFL betting updates. You got to really stay on top of these things. Did you know 21 Detroit Lions got the flu? No DeAndre Swift tomorrow and TJ Hawkinson is doubtful. Good luck if you're on the Lions. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Dalvin Cook, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, as I mentioned, there's an interesting slate of games games later today in the eastern region. And uh, we're about an hour from midnight here out west. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys, i tell you what, I want to get right to two of the most talked about games because part of our narrative tonight is these battles are going to really begin the final countdown for NFL playoff positioning. And I think the most talked about game so far this week is Dallas at Washington, where the Cowboys are currently a four and a half point favorite. And it's, it's deeper than that because it's not just Dallas versus Washington where, depending on your semantical interpretation of what Mike McCarthy said, uh, he's guaranteeing victory. Good old Barney Rubble, he's back from, from COVID. But don't look now. Washington, under Ron Rivera, a fabulous job as always. I think Ron Rivera is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. They're currently the number six seed in the NFL playoffs. And the Washington football team has actually beaten Dallas four straight, and all of them outright as an underdog. So will the Washington football team be able to take advantage of that 27th-ranked Dallas defense, allowing 372 yards per game? Yes, it's a classic NFC East rivalry. Washington is really getting into the mix in this division, and you have to question whether or not the wrong team is getting points. 
But I also want to take this game a step further because it's not just the Cowboys and, wow, I almost said Redskins. Cowboys and Washington football team. It's Mike McCarthy versus Ron Rivera. And I bet you didn't know because this is pretty far under the radar. In the last four games involving Mike McCarthy versus Ron Rivera, and mind you, they were with different teams before, four zip. Ron Rivera owns Mike McCarthy. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers might own the Bears, but Ron Rivera owns Mike McCarthy. He's beaten him the last four straight. And I, I, I've never trusted Barney Rubble anyway, but I don't trust him now. And in those games, Ron Rivera's teams beat Mike McCarthy's teams by an average score of 34 to 18. Rivera's teams averaged 168 yards on the ground to McCarthy's 84. Oh, yeah, just for fun, Rivera also won the turnover battle. His teams only allowed two turnovers, whereby uh, McCarthy's teams allowed nine. And let's add to that fact that Washington is hot. If you don't think they're hot, you know, the first eight games uh, this year, Washington was two and six. They were allowing their appoint, uh, their opponents 28 yards per game, 28 yards, 28 points per game, and they were allowing their opponents 103 yards rushing uh, per game on the ground. The last four games, Washington, yes, 4-0, they're only allowing their opponents 17 points per game versus the 28 in the first eight games, and they've reduced that 103 yards per rushing yards per game down to 68. Washington trending very much in the right direction. Now, Dallas does bring the top-ranked offense into the league, 416 yards of offense per game. But, again, as I mentioned, Washington only allowing 17.3 yards uh, points per game during their four-game winning streak. That is going to be a very good game. Uh, I, listen, the Lions are not predictors. They're based on power ratings and analytics and very you know sophisticated data bank numbers, but you're laying four and a half on the road in a divisional game. And the truth of the matter is, just on the face of it, you feel like you're really get a, getting a bargain uh, when you get those points. In about an hour, we'll go over this with uh, in, in the Fezzik 5, and it's not only Fe one of Fezzik's favorite games, it's one of my favorite games, but we'll talk about the side when we get there. The other game that's being very much talked about, and I believe this is one of Collins' Blazing Five favorite games. He doesn't, I think he loves it. Buffalo heading into Tampa Bay, the Bucks laying three and a half. And I get it. Uh, Buffalo had a rough night Monday night. They were beat every which way. Uh, and I, I, I get it. You know, Mac Jones only threw three passes, so he must not be very good. Trust me, I'm 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 coming to the point where I'm going to analyze all the things Mac Jones does that enables him to win games that people don't see. If you don't think he can throw deep, you're wrong. They just don't need to do it. His deep uh, his deep completion percentage passes in college was 74.3 percent. Justin Fields was 71. Trevor Lawrence was 70. He threw the ball over 65 yards in the combine. He ran a faster 40 time than Pat Mahomes. He had the same vertical leap as Justin Herbert. This is not a skills Olympic competition, okay? This is about understanding how to operate at the NFL level in the pocket and make read progressions and 
Play the position with your eyes. Make mental snapshots. Receive the ball. Get it out of your hand, on time, on schedule, accurately. He does all that. Yet people continue to diminish Mac Jones because he doesn't look like a world-class athlete that can jump high and run fast, even though he does those things just fine. I heard some knuckleheads say, well, they didn't let him throw the ball. He didn't have a strong enough arm. Get out of here. What a seven mile. The the wind uh, speed the other night. Look, let's save that for another day. Because I don't mean to get so hot under the collar about Mac Jones. I've only been telling you for eight months a guy could play. Let's get back to Buffalo, Tampa Bay. The question is, does Buffalo bounce back? Do they come? Do they stroll into Tampa Bay where the weather will be much nicer? And can they right the ship and get a win? Buffalo needs it. It's not a must-win game. I don't. I don't go for must-win. Thirty-one of the thirty-two NFL teams will lose their must-win game this year. Only one suit. One team can win the Super Bowl. Uh, Buffalo's better than they showed the other night, but I, I don't trust them in big-time games. On the other hand, this is tricky. What if I told you Tom Brady is a favorite of less than six points in his last 11 games, is a favorite of six points or less, Tom Brady, it's only three and eight straight up, two and nine against the number. Meanwhile, Buffalo, a quality team, is eight and four against the spread after a loss. And they're six and two uh, against the spread as a road underdog. I, I am just telling you right now, I do not have the Coyones to fire on Buffalo. I don't trust them. I don't trust them when it matters most. And it's going to matter a lot tomorrow. Um, it, but it's not the be all end all. Buffalo's going to the playoffs. The quick, I don't think they're going to win the division, but there's still a lot of football left to be played. I mean, we're not going to finish the. Regular season to like, what is it, January 10th this year? So you've also got to factor in Tom Brady, all time 31 and 3 against the Buffalo Bills. But the Bills, again, they're also 5 and 1 straight up following Monday Night Football. It will be a fun game to watch. I'm not on it. Uh, you've got the number one pass defense in Buffalo versus the, the off, yeah, number one pass defense in Buffalo versus number one pass offense in uh, New England. And, you know, at some point, somebody might have considered this to be a Super Bowl preview. I, I don't. I don't think Buffalo's going to the Super Bowl. But maybe they can prove me wrong. But the Bucks are unbeaten at home. And uh, Tom Brady knows a thing or two about the Bills, as I said, 31-3. and three. And uh, you, you've got to give the Bills credit. They're number one pass defense, number two in scoring defense. They do, uh, they do pose a very interesting challenge. But I, I guess if I have a gun to my head, I just think the Bills, yes, they get the best, or, or the, the, the Bucks get the best of the Bills in this game tomorrow. Baltimore visits Cleveland in, a, in another game that a lot of people I respect really seem to like the Browns. I The Browns scare me, although this is a spot play. You've got a cheap price on the Browns. Baltimore scuffling for a lot of reasons. Uh, they're injured. The Browns are only, but, the, the, but Cleveland's only averaging 16 points in their last seven games. And in those last seven games, they're three and four, right? So, interestingly enough, six and six teams who were in the playoffs the year before, Cleveland falls into that category after week, or actually in week 13, are 18 and three straight up and against the spread. That's a pretty strong trend that does favor the Browns. Again, the Browns are coming off a bye week. And now they get the rematch with the Ravens. 
But Baltimore's only been an underdog twice this season. This will be the third time, even though they're only getting three. But they're 2-0 straight up as an underdog. That means they've won both games outright. And this is going to be just your typical AFC North Rock fight. Again, the Ravens have won the last four meetings, including the last two in Cleveland. You know, I realize Cleveland's had the extra week to prepare. And this is a playoff game for Cleveland because they're currently the number 11 seed in the playoffs. So what do I... What's my conclusion? I do think you'll absolutely get max effort out of the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. And Baker Mayfield is 9-1 against the spread when he's favored by three points or less. Those are the three games I think people are talking about the most. And we will be visiting them, revisiting them, and we'll be uh, you know uh, checking in with uh, Steve Fezzik on those in the Fezzik Five in about an hour. And we'll be going over the entire slate Uh, giving you our thoughts, giving you the angles, uh, giving you the trends, giving you the latest information so you can make your best decision before kickoff on Sunday, December 12th. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. And that's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com forward slash match limitations apply coming up 10-year major leaguer 30-year broadcast vet currently the uh, color man for the wake forest demon deacons football team larry Sorensen. we're going to cover a wide variety of things including the fake slide and now there's even a new rule i'm bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios this is the pregame show you always wanted so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto. Come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, efforting Larry Sorensen. But I want to uh, I want to delve into a situation that's become just this incredible hot topic uh, on the periphery about Mac Jones. People now call it revisionist history. Uh, people talk about that they're surprised he's doing so well. Uh, meanwhile, Trey Lance is nowhere to be found, uh, and you've got. Uh, obviously, uh, Zach Wilson having issues and Justin Fields uh, having fits and starts. And look, all I said back in April was that Mac Jones can do exactly what I believed he can do because he was by far the most NFL-ready of the, uh, of the bunch. He he was very confident and capable, but it was more than that. The coaching staff was able to challenge him. And they keep throwing things at him, and he could handle it. And he kept answering the bell. His mechanics were very good. He delivered the ball on time. He gets it out of his hand. This is the most important thing. In a very compact, effortless motion, he had zero issues about his abilities to read and react to defensive coverages. He didn't force throws under duress. His ability to maneuver the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield were very advanced. And for what it's worth, he's not slow. Okay, even though some low-information radio host stinky is. As I said earlier, 
He ran the 40-yard dash faster than Patrick Mahomes at the Combine. True story. He had the same vertical leap as uh, as as uh, Justin Herbert. And that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at Culver's uh, Butterburger, okay? Big deal. Playing quarterback in the NFL is all about recognition. It's a position you play with your eyes. This is why Mac Jones is so effective. He... He breaks the huddle, and before he even gets to the line of scrimmage, he's reading the defense. He's making his pre-snap reads. And any quarterback, not just Mac Jones, Trey Lance is going to have to do this. Justin Fields is certainly going to have to do this. Uh, Zach Wilson will have to do this. Peyton Manning had to do this. Every quarterback who's ever gotten under center or in the shotgun has had to do this. Number one. A quarterback must first learn to read and recognize the nature and structure of a defense as a whole. Because when the ball is snapped, and all of a sudden the defense shifts to post-snap. Example, if you're walking up to center and the defense, well, they show a two-safety look and the middle of the field appears to be open, and then all of a sudden you, you receive the ball and they move to a single safety now. You've got a process all in about 1.8 seconds. Are they in man coverage? Are they in cover one? Are they in zone? Do the corners have space? Do they bring pressure? Does the front structure change? This is what makes playing quarterback so complex. The volume of information you have to absorb and process before and after the snap Well, that determines whether or not you can repeat success at the NFL level. Defensive coordinators are extremely bright. And and a defensive coordinator, well, uh, his job at the NFL level is to make your life miserable. And they're going to make you think and they're going to make you work. And you have a split second to read, make your decision, and then execute based on those looks. You don't just take off and run like you did in college. If your default mechanism is to run, you you could be not for long in the NFL. Now, look, I I, I think Justin Fields possibly has as good a huddle presence as anybody in the game. He's a wonderful young man. He's a winner. He is a, a a man of great intestinal fortitude. When you recall when everybody thought we might not play college football in 2020 because we everybody was supposed to die of myocarditis. Justin Fields is one of the people that led the charge, saying, let us play, you know, kind of like William Devane in Bad News Bears. And the truth of the matter is, Matt Nagy has been juggling a time bomb there in Chicago. In the first couple of weeks, it was like, well, we're going to suck anyway, so why wait? Well, why wait? Let the young man learn the position. Because as I just mentioned, defensive coordinators were going to force Justin Fields to stay in the pocket, make complex throws to covered receivers. And I said this, this is my exact quote, exact quote back in week two. I said, if Matt, Matt Jones' default mechanism is to just simply take off and run, some linebacker is going to hit him so hard his kids will be born dizzy. It's all about preservation. It's all about longevity. The truth of the matter is, Matt Jones, or check that, just, or uh, did I just say Matt Jones? I meant Justin Fields. The bottom line is, is that uh, Fields has already been hurt a couple times this year, and he's really been hit hard, and he's a big guy. But 
it's a situation where he's doing what he's done all his life, what they encouraged him to do at Ohio State. And, you know, the philosophy at Ohio State is that we want to make you play 11 on 11, meaning the quarterback is an athlete. The quarterback is a guy who can do damage with the ball in his hands. So, you know, Justin Fields has shown some flashes this year. I think he's tougher than a $3 stake. He does, he takes forever to get the ball out of his hand. He stares down his hot read. He's not on time or in schedule with his throws, and that comes back to recognition. These are things that can be learned, but it's not guaranteed. Justin Fields checks a lot of boxes because he's a dynamic athlete. He's a leader. He's a competitor. His arm is good, but frankly, his, his legs might be better. He, I think the man is a winner. But if I'm being honest, he's nowhere near ready to be an NFL-level quarterback. I, you remember the talk about him possibly starting at the LA Rams week one? I'm glad he did, nor should he. Fields still, we're in December, still has to operate better from the pocket. He loves to roll right. And in fact, uh, his two best passes over the year, this past year, were rolling to his right and throwing across his body. He's got to correct that. And again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating. His default mechanism is still to take off and run, just like he did at Ohio State. Again, that's not his fault. The Buckeyes' offensive philosophy is designed to make their opponents defend all 11 athletes. So he was doing what he was told, but the NFL's different. You've got to play the position with your eyes more than your feet. So like a lot of young quarterbacks... He, Justin Fields, is going to have to still prove he can make his read progressions against NFL defenses. So, listen, in the NFL, I've never believed it's a rush to get there the quickest. It's a quest to stay there the longest. The Chicago Bears would like to believe they have their franchise quarterback. Do they? He's got to prove it on the field. The odds are against Justin Fields being a long-term successful playoff quarterback in the NFL. He has all the attributes, but the truth of the matter, he still has to do it. Now, he will be back on the field tomorrow. He gets to face the Green Bay Packers, where allegedly, well, the data's there. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, does own the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are a cool 12.5-point favorite. Well, and it's Justin Fields can't play defense, but he can play offense. And his job tomorrow is to elevate that Bears 29th ranked offensive uh, the 29th ranked offense in the NFL based on yards per play and the Bears actually have the 30th total offense overall Bears only one in seven against the spread as a dog of seven or more points this year Rodgers after a bye oh my goodness especially versus division foes 25 and 12 uh, to check that 29 and 12 straight up and against the spread. So look, uh, the Vikings, they, they pulled one out Thursday. Uh, the Packers could have had a chance to wrap up the NFC North, uh, in the spot on Sunday. But again, the bears will be motivated to, to come after Aaron Rodgers. So that'll be a, a fun game to watch, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later. And I would just say this, that here's a chance for Justin Fields to finish the season strong. I already know Mac Jones is going to finish the season strong. You shouldn't be, you know, you really shouldn't be surprised by that because 
Mac Jones has been and has proven he's the NFL-ready quarterback, and he can do a lot more than you think he can. He just doesn't make the highlight reel like a lot of you want to see. But trust me, he's capable. Coming up, quick primer on the Major League Baseball lockout. How did we get here? How long could it last? I'll give you the latest. But first... Let's go to the man who's now got a patent on socks and sandals. It's Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. The Heisman Trophy went to Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, and he did it in emphatic fashion. Overwhelming victory for him, taking home the trophy and the stat line for the regular season. Just incredible. 43 passing touchdowns, had three rushing scores, and only four interceptions. The 76ers, as we transition to the NBA, took down the Warriors 102-93, to and Golden State Seth Curry you know he's closing in on surpassing Ray Allen for most made threes over the course of a career well he went three of 14 did Curry in this game from long range had 18 points he needs six threes to tie Allen's all-time record the Grizzlies with the victory over the Rockets 113 to 106 Dylan Brooks with 25 points the Heat Fly swat the Bulls 118 to 92. Duncan Robinson scored a season high 26 points, made five of nine three pointers. Evan Mobley, the rookie for the Cavs, 15 points and a season high 15 rebounds as the Cavs overwhelm the Kings 117 to 103. How about the Jazz as they have ripped off seven straight wins and they plaster the Wizards 123 to 98. As far as college basketball, a couple notable games. Number nine, Alabama clings to an 83-82 victory against number 14, Houston. Bama's J.D. Davison had that putback dunk on her minute to go, and then there was that final defensive stop by the Tide that made all the difference in the end. Number four, UCLA swats Marquette, 67-56. Jaime Jaquez Jr. had a season-high 24 points, and the Golden Eagles starters, they shot a combined two for 20 from long range. Also happening in the world of sports, UFC 269, Juliana Pena choking out Amanda Nunes in the second round for the bantamweight title. That was a huge upset. And then Charles Oliveira keeps the lightweight title. A third round submission of Dustin Poirier. And then I heard the after charity fight, Bernie Fratto actually won via a third round submission as well. So he did that. Now he's hosting four hours of radio. And as we right, send baby. it back to our guy, Bernie Fratto. You know, uh, Brian, I told my trainer, I said, uh, <laughs> I think I could beat the champ blindfolded. He looked at me and said, what if the champ wasn't blindfolded? <laughs> and then what was your answer? Uh, good night, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm opening up for Shecky Green and the Catskills uh, in two weeks, uh, two drink minimum. All right. Don't forget to try the semi-boneless spaghetti. All right. Thanks so much, Brian. And, of course, Brian will be with us along with Ricky and and Chris all the way up till 3 a.m. as we've got an absolute full slate tonight. And uh, you don't want to miss uh, at 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern, uh, our new uh, feature. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed up by a rousing edition of What My Name. Uh, it's the uh, dance sensation sweep of the nation. By the way, if you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. And that's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. All right, there is starting to be a little bit more talk about the Major League Baseball lockout. And, of course, because 
you know, it's the off season and we're, we're knee deep in football. I haven't even gotten to the f- college football playoff yet. College basketball is getting started. You're really not going to hear a lot more about this in terms of real depth uh, till after the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I'm on record as saying I do not believe the spring training games will start on time. And now I think it's almost 50-50, at least 50-50, that the regular season won't start on time. And one of the questions that keeps coming up, and I don't hear anybody on the airwaves talking about it, so I'm going to share it with you, is why do the owners lock out the players? Again, this is a subject matter that's very near and dear to me because I cut my teeth in radio in 1994. And what happened in 1994? Well, on May 27th, the players voted to strike. And they set a date of August 11th if they could not reach a collective bargaining agreement. Now, at that point, the owners wanted a salary cap, which the players will never agree to. Well, guess what? They struck on August 11th, 1994. The World Series was canceled. They didn't return till the following April. The season started a couple weeks late. There was even replacement players. It was a mess. At that time, the the revenues in baseball were a billion dollars, a billion-dollar industry. Now it's an $11 billion industry. But I know people say, oh, don't worry. Uh, they, 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 won't, they won't strike because there's too much money in the game. It's the same thing they said uh, back in, uh, well, uh, let me just correct myself. They can't, the players can't strike because they're locked out. But what are people are what people are saying is that there will not be there will be a resolution to this in time to start the season or maybe even spring training because there's too much money in time no, uh, involved. But trust me, they said the same exact thing back in 1994. This isn't about logic. This isn't about common sense. These are about two sides that honestly got hate each other. Now, I didn't answer my question. I'm going to pay off the tease right now. Why did the owners lock the players out? Well, because they didn't in 94. Here's what I mean. The collective bargaining agreement that led into the 1994 season expired on January 1st, 1994. The owner said, let's negotiate in good faith. We believe we'll get a deal done. The game is healthier than ever. We're breaking attendance records. Everything's wonderful. And so we'll get this worked out. Well, they didn't. Well, the players that opened the door is a situation where the players had the hammer and they went on strike and canceled the World Series. I I swear I didn't think they'd do it. You had to be there to see it. It was incredible. So by the owners launching this preemptive strike, no pun intended, uh, it it, it prevents the players from striking. So games are not going to start until there's an agreement. And what happened back in 1994 when the CBA expired, they began to play the 1994 season without a collective bargaining agreement. It was good faith. That, in retrospect, turned out to be a mistake by the owners. And the owners are not going to extend that kind of trust ever again. And that's why the owners locked them out. Because they're not going to put themselves in a situation where games have started and they play without an agreement and they run the risk of being embarrassed. So how do we get here? Well, the last deal between Major League Baseball and the Players Association was negotiated back in 2016. And the current collective bargaining agreement basically covers everything from how long the season will last to what kind of per diem players receive on the road and addresses all the the macroeconomics of the game, such as free agency, arbitration. And as I said, it ended midnight, December 1st. The owners proceeded to lock out the players, which I said they would. 
It's essentially the antithesis of a player strike. Since players don't get paid in the offseason, nor are there games, there's nothing really to strike over. Instead, the league, they chose to halt all player activity as it relates to their teams. No free agent signings, no use of team facilities. In fact, no contact of any time between teams and players is allowed until a new agreement is reached. Again, the owners did it to protect their self-interest because they're not going to run the risk of starting a season without an agreement and having having this belief that things will be negotiated in good faith. Now, if you talk to people, if you follow the news or f- follow some people who cover Major League Baseball for a living, they they have been saying that privately players said, okay, we had to hold our nose and swallow hard. This is the player's talking in 2016 with the agreement that was reached. Quote, when 2021 rolls around, it's going to be a war. It's going to be ugly. And that's why I've been saying all along the elements that hap- that existed in 1994 that required that that, re- that uh, resulted in a World Series being canceled exist now. The same elements exist now. And that is to say that revenue, game revenues for the league are rising, and they have been. They've doubled since 2008, but in the aggregate, player salaries have only increased by 40%. So it's not in lockstep. And you know what? I, this is the, this time I'm on the player's side because they've proven there's an econometric model that works. You've gone from a billion-dollar game to an $11 billion game. Attendance is good. Merchandising is good. It, it, all of it's good. TV ratings are fine. The game is healthy whether you want to believe it or not. So whatever the salaries were being paid that led to this growth, it didn't hurt the game in the least. And so why would the owners do what they're doing? Why would they be using the luxury tax as a de facto salary cap? Why would they be intentionally not allowing the player salaries to merely rise at the same aggregate as the revenues? So what's the result? Yeah, games could be lost. I'm telling you, there's a work stoppage now. But no one's really concerned because there's three months until the regular season begins. I'm telling you, save this. Would not be shocking to me if the 2022 season does not go 162 games, full 162. I already believe there's a chance, a probability, I'm going to give it 90% spring training doesn't start on time. And they're using that period right now as a soft deadline to force some issues to get resolved. But we're so far from that happening. Besides, yeah, they already lost a lot of money during the pandemic. pandemic. But I told you last year at this time. Cooler heads would not prevail. I went on a Sunday show with LeVar Arrington and Mike Harmon. They couldn't even agree on a season last year. Rob Manfred had to uh, had to uh, flex his executive powers to create that 60-game season last year. Sides have lost a lot of money. Anything short of a full season would be another blow to the sport, both economically, economically and certainly from a public relations standpoint. These knuckleheads don't care. This is a fight. It's a fist fight in the phone booth. Stay tuned because no one will cover this as closely as I will. I've got contacts, I've got sources, and I'm going to keep my finger on the pulse. And I'm not going to cover it just to cover it, but I'm going to give you the information you need to know that you deserve to know because for some reason, people are going to be late to the party just like they were with Mac Jones. Later in the show, and we're going to be taking you up to 3 a.m., I will get into more detail on what the main sticking point is in the negotiations between the owners and players. And what are the, you know, who, by the way, well, who were the players involved, the player reps? What are the key dates to watch for? And aside from the revenues, what are some radical changes that could come to Major League Baseball in the next year or in the next few years when eventually 
this uh, collective bargaining agreement is reached. We're going to get to all of that. Coming up, I'm going to give you some what I would consider to be NFL fun facts having to do with an NFL betting update through this point in the season, 2021, as we head into week 12, which is just about 10 hours and 17 minutes away as it continues. Remember, it started Thursday night with that thriller between Minnesota and Pittsburgh. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my crew, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, and Ricky Herrera. Back at our broadcast compound in Los Angeles. Could not do this job without your efforts, guys. And we'll all be together until 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Man, we are just getting started. By the way, quick quick announcement. My book, The View from the Chief Seats, a collection of great stories you've never heard that you'll never forget, uh, was released last July 5th uh, on e, uh, in e-books. And it did extremely well. And now it's officially out in hard copy. Makes a great Christmas gift. Uh, go on Amazon.com. And I've also, uh, by the way, it's on my uh, Twitter feed uh, where you can see the, the link and, and proceed uh, accordingly. And I uh, hope, hope you'll enjoy it. I think you will. Uh, at this point in the season, we have certainly, certainly, I would say, uh, amassed enough data to find trends and facts and figures and things of that nature. Fun facts, I guess, uh, relevant facts pertaining to uh, this NFL season and what we've learned. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and and all of a sudden I heard a bunch of other shows starting to talk about this, how home field advantage in the NFL has really gone the way of the dodo bird. At one point, it used to be a solid three, three three-and-a-half point favorite uh, advantage. Now it's not. It's maybe one, one one-and-a-half. That's evidenced by the fact that underdogs this year, if you blindly bet underdogs this season in the NFL, you'd be 107 and 85. That's 56%. That is quite the number. You can make all the num- all the all the uh, money you want to make if you're at 56%. And, and if you bet against the spread, road dogs, road dogs. Now remember, there's a lot of road favorites this year in the NFL. Last week there were six and seven. This week's no difference. 
Uh, my best bet of the week will involve a, a fading a road favorite. But road dogs are still out there, of course, 67 and 43, 61%. It's also been a year where the markets have not adjusted in terms of the lines. Games are going under right and left. They're 111 and 82. If you just simply bet the unders, you're at 58%. Who's the best team against the spread? Probably no surprise here to a lot of you folks. As you just trust your eyes, they'll tell you a lot. Green Bay Packers are 10 and 2 against the spread this year. The worst team against the spread? Well, the. New York Jets, 3-9 and nine against the number. The best over team, if you like to bet overs, of course, remember they play their home games in perfect conditions, and man, can they run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. You blindly bet the Colts in every game in the over, they're 8-5. and five. Meanwhile, the best under team, there are two of them, actually. The Jacksonville Jaguars, probably no surprise. Not a bad defense, but a horrible offense. Same with the Broncos, with Vic Fangio's defense. Both of those teams are 10-2 and two to the under so far this year in the NFL. All right. I don't usually give best bets. Uh, I give bets I like. I give sides I like. But tomorrow there is a best bet I do like, and we'll get into this with Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. I've already grabbed the home Washington football team, plus four and a half in a divisional game. I mentioned it earlier. The Redskins are hot, and they're getting points at home. The first eight games, they were 2-6. and six. The last four, they're 4-0. and oh. The first eight games, they were given 28 points a game. Now they're giving up 17. They're only allowing 68 yards on the ground. Before that, 103. Look, Dallas has got not only got a win on the road, where they've lost their last four to Washington, and Ron Rivera's beaten Mike McCarthy the last four, but they got to cover by five. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Stay tuned right here for Fox Football Sunday coming up on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 